What's up, guys? It's your girl, Raiden, and welcome back to the Spotlight Series here on Gray Area. We are the hub of house music culture and discovery, and of course, our Spotlight Series highlights the artist's story behind the music. We are joined today by Chloe Kaye. She is a producer, a DJ, and a multi-instrumentalist from Paris. She has played at legendary venues all over the world, including High Ibiza, Circo Loco, Dixon's Transmoderna residency at Pasha. I'm so excited to have her here today. Welcome. Welcome, Chloe. Hello, how's it going? Good. I think you just touched down in your home, right? I did. I just got back to Ibiza after being away on tour for two weeks, and it feels really good. <laughs> See, and I thought for some reason you were based in, well, I know that you're based all over the world, but I thought you were based in New York because that's where you grew up, right? So I was born and raised in New York, and I lived there for about 11 years. Um, and then at the age of 11, I moved to Paris where I went to school for five years. And then I actually went to music school in the UK. Um, like it was like a music specialist school for high, like high school. And then I moved back to New York to go to college uh, when I was about 19. Holy crap, okay. And then fast forward, you're now in Ibiza. <laughs> and now I am in Spain, in Ibiza, yes. <laughs> I think right before we started the call, you were like, and we're also in the forest. And I was like, what? Yeah, so I, you know, I grew up in cities my whole life. And over the last couple of years, I decided to kind of isolate myself in a more uh, nature environment, just to be able to kind of get some clarity with my creative process and just to kind of recharge after just being around so much high intensity for so many years. That makes so much sense, because I think DJs are in the most like heightened senses type of environment right? That you can imagine. And, and you're, you're, you're flying everywhere and you're like playing and there's, there's lights, there's freaking pyro going on, depending on the venue. I, it makes perfect sense to go back to just a grounding environment before you can create again as a producer. I mean, totally. I think for me, um, I just, you know, I spend my life on the road, touring, meeting people around like lots of different types of energies and also just like noise loud which I love so much about my job but I find that when I'm able to come back and retreat to a place where there's like nature and you know you wake up to birds and trees and like I have my studio I just feel a little bit more clarity and I definitely sleep better <laughs> yeah sleep is so important wow. yeah. so you're like in you're in like nature nature you're like there's birds and there's trees and there's yeah I'm like I'm on like a little mini farmhouse in the middle of the forest that's so interesting. That's so cool too, because you would think most people think Ibiza, they're like, wow, you know, parties all the time, sunrise sets, sunsets, like sunset lounge, like that's what they think of. And you're like, no, I'm going to be here in the forest with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, the summer season is something different. You know, you kind of have two seasons here. Mm -hmm. The summer is clubs, you know, everything is open, but you know, the winter season starts in October and goes till about May. So during that time, a lot of places shut down and it's just locals and it's a lot more nature oriented. Okay. And it's kind of nice to have both here because I, I do work a lot here in the summer. Mm. So it's nice to have an influx of people and gigs and work, but then it's nice in the winter to kind of retreat and work on music and that kind of stuff. Yeah. How have yeah. you found that the scene there is different from somewhere like New York where you've spent your childhood? I mean, I think that Ibiza is, you know, it's in Europe, so... You know, you have an influx of a lot of international European artists. Mm 
mm. which I think adds a lot of creative <laughs> diversity within like the sorry my dog is crying right now he, he oh. <laughs> um but um yeah I just think like the scene here is very European you know so you have DJs from Berlin from Amsterdam from London from Paris from you know so many DJs come here from and also from all over the world so Ibiza is kind of like a hub for everyone to come through at some point yeah. and you have a really wide variety of DJs too you know you have everyone from David Guetta to Tiesto to Diplo to then your Dixons and Martinez brothers Seth Tr you know it's the, yeah. the scope of artists here that you see in one season is really diverse which I love that and I think New York's scene is really great and I grew up there, but I do think that, you know, the house and techno scene in New York is still very underground. Yeah. And in the States, I can say that hip hop is a little bit more of the, of the common, you know, top playlisting music. So, you know, in Europe house electronic music has always been a lot bigger. Um, so I just find that here you just have, I mean, you have incredible artists from everywhere, but also in New York right now, you know, there's a great scene growing as well. Do you find that like growing, because when you grew up in New York, you were actually, you went to a jazz music conservatory, right? I did. So that, that was actually in the UK. Um, oh, okay. I studied jazz from the age of 16 to 19 in a, in like a high school. It was like a jazz conservatory school. I wasn't really great in school. And um, my parents were like, you know what? The only thing you like to do is music. So like go to study music and leave us alone so yeah when I studied jazz piano and then I was part of like a little sorry this guy <laughs> <laughs> dogs are welcome here my own dog is on timeout because she will do that the whole time <laughs> come say hi no you want to say hi <laughs> are you being shy now Chloe um, no. dog, everyone yeah this is Cosmo um who I haven't seen in a couple of weeks so he's being really really friendly but, um, but yeah, I guess, um, I guess like, I always loved music. I started playing piano when I was seven. And then by the age of kind of 16, I was, I knew that music was what I wanted to do. And I just thought that if I got some theory and I just got really good at the kind of back end of everything, it would really help me out for the future in life, you know? And it, and interestingly it has now that I'm producing a lot and writing, it, it comes back. First of all, jazz is incredibly difficult. So like props to you, out of all the types of piano, I grew up playing classical, but jazz is its own world. It is so hard and, and it's so improv, improvis, wait, there's so much improvising, improvisational, is that? Improvisation. Improvisational, there you go. It's so yeah. improvisational. It's one thing to learn off sheet music and memorize it, but what I always felt was so difficult about jazz is the constant creation and, and the improvising that goes on in it. So. Good for you. Yeah, it was definitely um, when I, I mean, I always grew up with like, it was funny, I started doing classical, but my brain with like the theory and the sheet music and like all this kind of rigid things around classical music, I was just like, like it didn't really work for me. So when I started actually playing music, like film scores when I was younger and that kind of got me into like that and then I started writing music and I, I started playing in a band when I was 14 and I was learning about like blues and then you know all of a sudden I learned more about the free form behind music which for my brain kind of worked a little bit better yeah. um and then ultimately I, I just thought you know what if I'm going to do it at least I'm going to study jazz because I just need to have some kind of theory under my belt yeah. and it, it was great it's definitely like jazz is one of the oldest you know types of I mean there's so many roots of music comes from jazz chords comes from different jazz songs 
So it's definitely a good thing to, to know, although I had to kind of unlearn some of it to make more simplified music because jazz structures are a little too complex. Sometimes. I went through the same transition when I, I think as your background as a musician gives you your first instinct, right? And so when I first started producing, it was like, I just wanted, I was overly classical. I was like, oh, and I can make these little melodies and this piano riff and, and nobody needs to hear that in a four on the floor beat. Like there's a place for it, but I think, um, yeah, you definitely have to learn and adapt to each genre. And at the same time though, those little flares are what makes you you. And that what that's what makes it a Chloe track, you know, when you hear it. Totally, totally. And it's, it's so interesting you say that because I think like, classical and jazz have that similar thing where because there's such beautiful like when you hear like a classical piece you're like my god but they've thought of every single detail because if you're doing you know a piano piece like on your own as a classical pianist you have to think about everything everything happens with the piano whereas like when you're producing a track like actually there's a lot of different elements you need to think about the simpler it is the more you leave space for other instruments and for yeah. other kind of things to come in which is just it's just interesting when you switch from one to the other because it's completely different completely and you also have the ten tendency to like if that's your lead instrument you're like before you know it you've accidentally filled the track with all keys or something you're like it's it's what you said you're like there's some way I do other instruments now I am a producer yeah 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 yeah. I need to make the whole song yeah. not the piano part <laughs> Yeah, did your totally. parents also listen to like jazz and blues? Like, how did you even discover it at such a young age? My dad was a is a big rock, rock and roll like like fan. So as a young kid, I grew up in a household where like my dad's house was like rock and roll bands like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, all these kind of things. And then with my mom, it was like opera, classical, jazz. Like so. I'd kind of go from one because they divorced when I was quite young. So I kind of went from one house to the other. And they, um, they interestingly, like, now I think about it, like both of those have had such a big impact in my life. Yeah. Were they musicians too? Not at all. Like my dad, I think in a way, like picked up the guitar when he was younger, but I'm the first in my family to kind of come out as a full-blown artist, which is really cool. Yeah, because that, I mean, to me, parents that would send their child away to a jazz music conservatory in the UK, I mean, they are very, very focused on music. Like, I could, not, I could not have convinced my parents to, I would have loved to, but that sounds to me like a musician family, you know? I think I was just so determined, you know? Like, for me, it was like, there was nothing else. Like, it was just like music every day, all day, whether it was listening to records, going to shows, playing in a band, writing songs learning a new instrument, hanging around artists, like everything was about music. And it drove my parents nuts to the point where they were just like, okay, that's all she thinks about. So that's all, that's the only thing we're gonna do because <laughs> she can't do anything else. So I think I kind of pushed, but you know, it wasn't easy convincing your parents you're gonna be a, a musician isn't yeah. always, isn't an easy thing. Yeah. Well, and you yeah. also wanted to play guitar in an actual rock band too, right? Or you did. That was my dream as a kid was to do that. And then as soon as I kind of told my mom that she was like, you need to learn piano first because classical piano is everything. And then I was like, but I, you know, there was that kind of debate. And then I'm a rock after, star. <laughs> I want to be a rock star. <laughs> and then after learning piano, she finally, I, I just got myself a guitar one day and I was just like, I'm going to teach myself. So I just, I was, uh, I kind of got expelled from the school and I just sat at home for four months and just learned the guitar off YouTube. And I was like, I'm gonna learn the guitar. So Wait, I just how spent did you 
<laughs> I was like, wait, how did you get expelled, first of all? Well, you know, being a teenager and being a bit rebellious, it's quite easy to get expelled. Um, but I just wasn't really, you know, I was a bit of a rebel kid. So like when I when I was 15, being in a boarding school in the UK was just like, yeah. it was just so hardcore for my for me. And I just did everything to kind of bend the rules until finally they were like, we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> but it was the best thing ever because it allowed me to take time as a young kid and I wrote a ton of music. I learned guitar and then I went to a jazz school after that for specifically. Oh, okay. Did you ever get to join the band or make a band? I did during that time I was in like four bands, which was really cool. Oh, sick. Uh -oh. What, um, what kind of music and what was the name of your bands? Wow. Um, <laughs> think about the names. They, they they weren't really like touring bands. They were like, one was like a prog rock, like cover band. The other one was my own little mini band that like, we just wrote music in my house and just, you know, it was quite emo. <laughs> and then the other one was also like another type, just like, like a jazz sort of like funky band, but none of them were really, they were just like, I was 15 and I was grounded at home. So it's just like, doing everything to get out of the house um to write music but i joined a band when i lived in new york when i was 19 called neon legion um and that was in new york for a couple of years and there i was playing keyboard and like bass keyboard so that was really fun also neon legion sounds badass it was fun it was my friend philip's band and i just kind of joined as like um like a like the pianist you know i was a session musician yeah. We spent a lot of time in the studio and we, you know, we did, we did music videos. Um, it was really cool. It was fun. I was young and I was just kind of like new to New York as I could, as like an adult, you know, cause I yeah. lived there as a kid and it was fun. We played shows in New York. It was just like, it was such a good experience. How did you transition then from jazz to neon legion to house music and DJing and all that? <laughs> Um, good question. So I started, um, so when I graduated university, I actually uh, went to work at a label. Um, I was working at Universal Music um, in the A&R department. And then I worked at a management company. And then I kind of started my own creative agency. And I was just trying to kind of trying to figure out like, where I fit in fitted into the music industry because I was a bit scared of taking the leap on my own of like being an artist so I had all these like skills in my pocket of like artist skills yeah but um one day I was just like I'm so unhappy working for other people I don't want to work for other artists like this doesn't make me happy I want to be my own artist and at the time I'd been organizing a ton of parties in New York so I was like you know what like I know a lot of DJs, I know a lot of bookers, I know a lot of club owners. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start DJing because like, it's something I can do, you know, it's very, very easy. And so I basically just like picked up a pair of decks, brought them home, called a friend. I was like, can you teach me? I got a gig next week because I'd end up booking a show. He was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then I just started playing and I was like, that felt really good. Like, I want to keep doing it. And then I kept playing and playing and playing and playing. And then, you know, I, I'd never expected that to be my thing, but it ended up working. Um, and same with house music. I mean, I grew up when I was in Paris, I was going out to clubs a lot. It was around the Ed Banger music scene. Um, so I, I, you know, then I lived in Bristol in the UK. 
So we had like, I always had a lot of house music in, in my like, you know, in my sort of childhood. And I used to go to raves. I used to kind of listen to drum and bass and dubstep and house music. So like, I've always loved electronic music. What was the first, did you discover dubstep first or drum and bass or house and where, do you remember that moment that you discovered it? I think when I was living in Paris, when I was like 15, mm-hmm. I had a friend who was like a DJ at the time called Davide. And he'd be spending a lot of time in Romania and like the minimal and like the minimal. Um, so I'm trying to get him out of my way right now. Woo! Go that way. Um, and, for him to go fetch. And yeah, and like the minimal sort of like Romanian, um, like, like house music scene back in the day with like festivals like Sunwaves and all these things. And, um, and he just used to, he just brought me out to raves in Paris and like showed me the sound. And I remember being like, like kind of blown away by the simplicity of it, but, but, but how strong it kind of was. Um, and yeah like that was my first listening and then I just got curious and I just started digging deep into like the Berlin scene then I moved to Bristol which was like full-on at the time like drum and bass and dubstep you know so then I was just like into that so I I always like I always was kind of brought it from friends and then I just kind of did my own research and then got you know went to raves bought cds downloaded music watched youtube videos you know it's just like like digested all of it yeah. Was there one song that you remember that really impacted your love for house music? I mean, there, there are a few. And I, I'd say like there's one specific album that like changed the way that I saw music, which was the Daft Punk um, homework album, which like I remember when I listened to that for the first time, I was just like, I was just like, how have they made an album where like every track sounds so good it's using so many samples but like it's just so original the vocals the beats it's just so well produced and they're all crossover you know like you could listen to them in a club or at home and I remember listening to that and I was like wow like that whole album really inspired me and then I think like when Justice put out their first album as well because I was in Paris at the time I was just like you know these were all like new sounds to us back then yeah um and then I'm a I'm a huge air fan the French band um and they were the you know very sort of like ambient pop electronic kind of like and there's this one track called La Femme d'Argent which is one of my favorite tracks of all time which is super synth heavy production but like very dreamy and just very like like it's just an amazing track so like I think a lot of the French artists, you know, the French touch, the French sound um, were some of my first records I listened to that just blew my mind. How do you feel about the French house sound today? I think it's great. There's so many good artists and there's, you know, French touch bands are are so underheard because I feel like there's a big market that stays inside of Paris. Mm. Um, Mm. It's kind of French rock still that's around with like, like electronic stuff it's it's cool Paris is a and France in general is a very is always had a very very strong but like intimate music scene I'd have to say Mm. yeah I do think that like between especially like Europe and the states it's only the big tracks that kind of make it over to each other you know what I mean and then when you actually touch down 
there's so much good music and literally every city almost has its own like pocket. It's, it's fascinating to me. Totally. And what's really interesting to me is that they don't always overlap either, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And like sometimes like, because I've been lucky to, to live in a couple different, like specific markets with heavy music scenes. Like I, you know, I, I bounce a lot between different cities. I'm, I, I can drop into a scene really quick and like see what's happening, but then you leave and you go to the next place and you're like, wait, they don't know anything about this. When there's the only thing everyone's talking about. Yeah. I find that really interesting, especially with all the travels I do. Do you think that's kind of impacted your sound both as a DJ and producer? Because you have moved around so much and have lived in so many different pockets of the world. 100%. Like, I think, I think a lot of my sound and also like I record a lot of samples on the go, you know, I'll like, I'll sample records from like, like, I, I love sampling old records and like, using crazy samples and when I travel I get to listen to so much music and discover new music so like I like to bring in a little bit of you know things from wherever I go just to get it as like inspiration when you say you record samples on the go do you mean like you are you're physically using those recordings in your songs or are you I don't know grabbing sample packs from different no 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 totally I have a little uh, recorder I have a zoom hd 25 yeah yeah. hn 25 sorry and um I just I'll take it with me and like if I'm in a city like I'll go and record the sound of like the car is the sound of like sitting in a cafe it's like the sound of like I mean so many things like the sound of the ocean the sound of birds the sound of like a conversation happening behind me with that you know in a different language like just things that I can then incorporate in my tracks Oh, so like actual field recording. That's really dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think like every city has its own sound. Yeah, yeah. And like every taxi has its own honk, you know, like <laughs> every ambulance in different cities have their different, have their different um, yeah. sound. So yeah, I just like to kind of, because I, I travel all the time. I just think it's, it, for me, I find it really interesting. That's kind of beautiful. Like it's the most city girl, beautiful statement I've ever, it's like every taxi has its own hunk. Every, every smog has its own smell. <laughs> but it's true though. Like I'm always so shocked when I arrive somewhere and I hear the ambulance and I'm like, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Cause That's it's all music, you know, like it all actually is music. It's so interesting too, because that kind of, it, it almost comes from like, I wonder if it comes from kind of a Foley type background from your sound design and from listening to soundscapes and all that and movie soundtracks. I mean, maybe I, I do, I do have a really big love for like more like ambient, like soundtrack stuff. I love, I love movie soundtracks. I think when, when a soundtrack is done well, it, it like, I mean, movie, a movie without music you know, would be so weird so weird yeah yeah movies really like make the emotions work it makes it ties everything together they really i don't think people realize how much music makes the world go around because if you imagine so many different social contexts without music think how awkward it would be like imagine obviously like a nightclub but like a, a restaurant or a shopping center without music it's really weird it's like, it feels like a library all of a sudden. I mean, a hundred percent. It would all just, none of it would make sense. 
I remember being in, um, I traveled to Dubai for a while and um, they're a lot more of a muted culture than us in some ways. And some of the venues I would go to were just silent. And I just remember sitting there like, what the heck, why is everyone, why should I be whispering? And people actually talk more quietly because there's no, there's no environment, you know? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, music is definitely like, I, you know, it's funny because I think when people ask me like, what's my favorite thing about music? I'm like, I'm like that it's so international, you know, like mm. I don't know one person in the world that I've met that hasn't at some point heard one song, whether it's, you know, when they were a kid, I mean, everyone has heard it sometime. Everyone has a favorite song, you know, or a favorite artist or a favorite genre or a favorite something. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song that's non-electronic? That That is that for you? Yeah, I'd have to say like Pink, like Pink Floyd was a really big band that I, I grew up listening to. Um, and I think they made a track called Echoes that's just like a, a masterpiece of just like soundscapes and synths. And that was very early on for what, like like technology wise for where it was back in the day when they wrote the track. Um, so I'd say that song and then just really like the whole Dark Side of the Moon album, like that album from A to Z is like a perfect album, you know, like yes. every track is just it's insane so like that for me was like one of the, it still is to this day like if ever I'm like stuck on an idea I'm just like I'm just gonna whip on a Pink Floyd track and like I bet you they're gonna open up my mind to something because like it's just what, what, what when, when you hear what they did back in the day you're just like how how did they make it sound so good and like so creative is that something that you kind of set out to do when you started to transition to producer and when did you start to transition from just DJing to production I guess I started off as a songwriter when I was quite young. Um, so like, and I did learn production back in high school when, when I was like um, 16, 17 in the jazz school. Wow. There, there was like a production school. I kind of, I, I took some lessons in. And um, I think like four years ago, four or five years ago, like no more like five years ago, I, I was working on a project called Public Access. Yes, collective. Um, yeah, with my collective with uh, Josh Ludlow. And we just started making a ton of music and he's a phenomenal producer. So he just kind of brought me in and was just like teaching me a lot about production. And then it was really like three years ago when I was just like, I'm just going to do it on my own and like just dive deep into Ableton and just like, because he uses logic. So I was like, I want to use Ableton. I want to make music on the go. Like, I don't want to rely on anyone. And I just want to like have it all, you know? Ableton's a little more sample friendly, I feel like too, especially since you are taking live sounds from every location that you travel to. Yeah, I think it's it's more sample friendly and I think it's more, like it's less recording heavy as in like you can make things like really quickly and it's very user friendly. Yeah. Um, and I feel like so many of my friends now use Ableton that like it's really easy when you're in a session with someone or when you're just like, you know, it just, it, it works with my, works with my brain. Yeah. And also the, the stock Ableton um, plugins are really, really dope. They're great. People yeah. underestimate them so much. They're great. Yeah, at the beginning, I bought so many plugins. And now I feel like I'm only using stock plugins. <laughs> 
everybody thinks when they start out that they want all the fancy plugins and that's what's going to make your sound and like I like and I don't think anyone even believed me my first few years of releasing records I used almost all stock plugins because they work and they're fine and it's more about and you can tell me your experience of it too but it's more about creating your sound and and honing your ears to be able to create the sound that you want than having all the the special effects I mean a hundred percent and it's also like it's all about like I'm I'm a real because I'm a pianist and like I like playing instruments I'm a real hardware fan so like for me now what I'm really doing is like I'm investing in hardware Mm. and running it through you know really good preamps and you know kind of but really focusing on nailing the sound before it even hits my um you know before it hits Ableton because like that's what makes you you know special is when you kind of have like specific synths that you use and that you fuck with and that have your kind of specific you know that's how you build your sound so that's really what I'm working towards right now is like really mastering that and just investing in in hardware do you start out your tracks on hardware or do you kind of have like a beat loop first that you put together and then you play over it it's it's whatever goes there's days I'll like I'll like walk in and I'm like I have a melody idea and I'll like sit on my piano and I'm just there like running a melody and then that helps me create a beat there's days when like I have an idea of a beat and I'm sitting there and I hear I hear an old like funk track and I'm like oh my god this is a perfect sample so I'll start with that and then I'll layer it and then I'll end up taking out the funk sample and rework you know my creative process is so crazy um but I'm trying to like should be yeah I mean I, I I do love though like my favorite thing is when I'm working with other artists and we're kind of jamming on different ideas and you've got someone on the sand someone on the drum machine someone on the bass someone on the you know and all together, because I guess I grew up playing in bands, you know, so that's how I grew up writing. Um, so I'm trying to go a little bit back into that, but it's hard on your own. So I, I do have a couple of friends I write with often. Um, but right now I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out my own solo creative process, which mm-hmm. is good. Yeah, because you have your own label now too, right? Excess Records? Yeah, so Excess Records is the baby of public excess um that I started with Josh um right before the pandemic and then we got pushed back on releases for obvious reasons so Love Ain't Over was the first release we've got um we've actually got our first EP as a collective coming out in April oh sick Um, first and then an EP thank you so that'll be the the next release on the label um and then yeah we're just going to keep releasing for now our own tracks and then hopefully in the future Maybe find, you know, if we if we find some artists that we really love and that we want to, you know, release, then that would be something we'd, we'd love to do as well. Is it just you and Josh in the collective or there's there's other artists too? So it's just me and Josh. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's me and Josh, but because we've been doing this for a while now, we have a lot of friends that are part of what we do. So like mm-hmm. we have a lot of DJ friends that have played a lot of our parties um, we have certain photographers we always work with, certain graphic designers. So they're not official titles, if you want, but we did get a little bit pushed behind because of the, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but we're about to launch everything again, which is really exciting. Well, because you also used to throw like your own events anyway, right? And so you're probably kind of used to having a collective. 
I mean, totally like public access was really like half of it is the party, which is called the excess party, um, which we did our last one during New York Fashion Week. And we had the Martinez brothers, which was so much fun. Yes. Um, and then we're actually going to be doing another one this February in London. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, the parties that we did, we've had we've had some crazy artists from Jamie XX to Romy to Dixon to Crystal Clear to me. I mean, we've had some really, really dope artists play our parties. Um, and now we're actually in the process of planning the year ahead with all the different events we're going to throw. So. We're Are you guys back. gonna do more um, more cultural type of moments like that, like New York Fashion Week? I think so. We've generally we've we've always aligned with something like that, whether it's like an art fair or Fashion Week or something. Because I think that I'm really interested in the in the crossover between kind of fashion and art and music, and I think that there's a huge crossover between just the different people that it brings, but also like the creative aspect behind it and the collaborative aspect. Yeah. So I think for us, like, it's it's always been really interesting. <laughs> My dog is singing. <laughs> he is a husky. He's doing his job. <laughs> um, I'm glad you have that on camera because now, you know, the world can know that Cosmo speaks. <laughs> you do have a third member of your collective. <laughs> I mean, I have a dog and a cat. Um, <laughs> And then I have my girlfriend too, who's also does all my creative direction and who's oh, also an amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love I was gonna say, yeah, I love that um in your collective you incorporate all aspects of culture and your events are around that and not just like DJ parties, DJ parties, DJ parties, because it's so true to the origin of house music. You know, house music has always been a, a a culture, and it's also had so many ties to you know the LGBTQI plus. Is that all of them? Yeah, community. Um, so I love that. I think it's so important. Um, I think it's important that we have artists like you and collectives like yours that don't forget that and also build upon that. Totally. I mean, I think like you know, nightlife was a way for you know, back in the day for people of, of, you know, sort of the LGBTQI plus environment to feel safe for minorities. I mean, it, it was it was a place for people to go and feel safe and, and you know, kind of be, be in that environment. And I think that today, like it's turned into a money-making monetized industry, which obviously mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to remember the essence of where it comes from. And I think that like, you know, there's nothing better than a good dance party that like where everyone's united. And I definitely do DJ too many parties where it's just bros, mostly white bros. And I'm lacking that sense of like diversity. And let's be honest, like gay crowds for me are, are the best, you know, like, que like queer parties for me so far have been some of my favorite gigs because I feel a safe and included yes. but also like people dance like there's just a sense of freedom that, that you know and people really dance yeah. <laughs> yeah so you know i think there's obviously it's not just about that it's about mixing everyone and making you know the best parties ever which is kind of what i'm trying to do with my stuff yeah well and that's what that's what i was saying is that's what dance music was created for it was it's what it was created from and it's what 
it was created for. And I think it's important not to lose that cultural history, like the roots of especially something like house music. So I love that you're doing that. I love that it's tied into fashion because a lot of times, again, modern dance music forgets fashion is important girl like it is a statement it is who you are it is your walking billboard even if you don't put effort into it not putting in effort is a statement also and and i love i love style i love fashion and i love that like it's a part of your conscious decision making in your art too totally i think like i mean it's interesting because like my fashion sense is i'm not so like i don't take hours to get ready and i'm not someone who you know, shopping the latest trends and la, 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 but I, I do like to dress with things that I, that make me feel good and that are comfortable. And, and I like wearing bright colors and I like mix matching, but sometimes, hey. Oh, she's almost done, Cosmo. Cosmo, calm down. Yeah, she is almost done. Anna? I don't know where she is. Um, we, yeah. <laughs> So, no, you know, I just, I, I think fashion, you should, you should wear things that make you feel good, you know? And if that is wearing like an oversized baggy, you know, hoodie with like a thing, great. If it's wearing like a super pinup tight, you know, latex dress, do it. You know, fashion is about making you feel good when you step out of your home. And for me, like as a DJ, I want to dress comfortably because like I'm standing for like six hours, sometimes, sometimes nine, sometimes 10. But like, I also want to wear colors. I want to bring vibrance. And I also, you know, I like wearing things that are fun. So like through that, I've tried to find different pieces everywhere I go. And like, I'm always sending my girlfriend pictures. I'm like, hey, what do you think about this top? Sometimes she's like, okay, that one's a little bit much. But most of the time she's like, that's dope. I like it. When she goes, that's a little bit much. Does that make you want to buy it or does it make you put it down? And I definitely trust her because she definitely helps me out with styling. <laughs> she has a really good eye. Well, thank you so much for being here. We just have a speed round left. Forgot to warn you that we do that at the end. Go ahead. Go ahead. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to pick up my speed round and it's just like 10 questions or so. So and you just answer with the first thing that comes up to you in your mind. Okay, let's do okay. it. Okay, 2 p.m. or 2 a.m.? 2 a.m. Intimate club or festival? Intimate club. Brooklyn or the Bronx? Brooklyn. Okay, um, favorite restaurant in the world? Ooh, Contramar, Mexico City. Wow. Okay. I haven't, I was just in Mexico city, but I have not been there. So, um, weirdest thing that you pack on your trips. I mean, shit ton of supplements. <laughs> okay. What are these supplements? I need to know. Ah, girl, it's all about boosting your immune system on tour and like helping yourself just like normalize when you're sleeping crazy hours. <laughs> no, I take, I think I take like a cocktail of like five to seven different vitamins every morning for that reason. Yeah. People always look at me. They're like, wow, you got a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm touring. Yeah. This doesn't <laughs> keep itself together. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, techniques or CDJs? I don't, I, I mean, I love techniques. I have two, but I play on CDJs. Yeah, because you also have to. Yeah, it's easier to tour with a USB than a shit ton of vinyls when you're going around the world. Yep. 
best advice that anyone ever gave you? Like, don't be afraid. Just do it. Like, just go. Like, just go. You got this, you know? Worst advice that anyone ever gave you? <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, when someone's like when someone's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like, you know, you you might upset someone, or like, you sure you're gonna do that? Are you are you okay? You're like, yeah, I'm good. I just want you to like support me. Girl, we were made to upset people. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> if your presence offends someone, that means your presence is necessary. Exactly. Um, what would you be doing if not for music? Scuba diving, working, working, working as an oceanographer somewhere in the world. Really? Yeah, definitely. I love that. The ocean is one of my favorite things. So that makes total sense because you actually do have a very real love for nature because clearly you're living in the forest. So exactly. I, um, yeah, I grew up, I grew up wanting to be an oceanographer um, and I spend as much as I, I can when I'm traveling in places that there's an ocean, I try and just go in, swim, and just like be wow. in that. I love the ocean. What's the favorite ocean that you've um, dived in? I'd say Indonesia. I was lucky to travel to some islands off the coast of Indonesia called Komodos and Sumatra. Yeah. And um, wow, it's like crazy. Super well conserved and just like, like National Geographic. <laughs> I've actually spent so much time. Yeah, I'm I'm an ocean baby as well. I always tell people, I was like, if I were Pokemon, I'd be a water Pokemon. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and I like because I I will do the same thing. I've I've dived in the deep blue holes. I've swam with sharks and all that, and I chase oceans all over the world. And diving is one of my favorite things. So, no way. Yeah, it's I I think at the heart of like a lot of artists we really are just little earth babies. And somehow we end up in these nightclubs with these pulsating lights. And it's like the weirdest contrast. I swear to God, sometimes I sit there, I'm like, what am I doing up here? And then I'm like, oh, wait, I love this. No, I really <laughs> love this. Oh, wait, I do. And then like, I go home and I'm like, that was weird. What, what, what is my job? And then, you know, that's why I just think doing nature and that is important. Yeah. Oh, I, I meant to ask you about this too, because you uh, do a lot of stuff in healing and body work. And I don't know if you're into meditation like I am, but I do a lot of those kind of like healing practices also, because it's the only way to kind of reset your mind after all that. 100%. Like I find that over the last couple of years, what the pandemic has really helped me with is to find my own like inner balance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has come through healing of like, you need to stop crying like that. Well, <laughs> um, too, uh, mom. I know I mean yeah I, I think like I needed the, the last two years really really helped me to figure out like um sort of like yeah my balance so a combination of exercise of having different treatments with different people that kind of like help you recent your energy focus your body help you get rid of like things that you accumulate when you're on the road um Breaking, definitely tapping all that tapping all that stuff which I do practice a lot um yeah, same. energy worker here that I always see who's just is brilliant like acupuncture cupping yep. stretching breathing breath work like all these things are like 
yeah, there's never enough, you know, like for yeah. me, I just, I'd like to do a little bit of everything. Meditation is something I'm getting into, but I do need to practice it more rigidly. But when I do, it's, I do a lot of it before shows. Mm, yeah. Like a, like a creative meditation, which is like, you know, just kind of sitting there and just making sure that you walk in on stage present and not just like bringing in all your chaotic energy from the day and from everyone. Yeah. 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 I think it's so underrated and should be much more valued, like the importance of those practices and mental health for musicians, because we go through so much. And as artists, our, our minds are our instrument. It's our first instrument, really, you know, and people don't really know about a lot of that stuff, like the breath work and, and the tapping and the EFT and everything. And it's been life-changing for, oh my gosh, hi, Cosmo. <laughs> And animals. Animals are so important for mental health. I know. That's why I got him because like I just um I just think that like I I think for me like animals just I grew up with dogs and turtles and fish and I just I had a household with animals. So for me, like there he goes. He is a puppy. Well, he's 11 months, so he's hyperactive. But um, Carl is one year old, so just a couple months over him, and it's the same thing. So I get it. I love to see it, honestly. There are little spirit animals. Yeah, they're really magical. Like, he's definitely a a little magical dog. And I think that, like, right now he's trying to jump out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. (laughs) But, yeah, I think, like, all, all, all of these things, like mental health is a really big thing that I'm working. I like, I don't want to go on tour and come home anxious or unhappy and depressed, you know, like I want to come home feeling like excited, you know, work like, you know, and a lot of my DJ friends that have been doing it for years, like they don't know how to balance themselves. And oftentimes they come home feeling worse than when they left. And it doesn't have to be like that, you know? Like we we're so fortunate to live such amazing lives and travel the world and do what we love. And like, you have to also take care of your body and your mind. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of anxiety in the, in the music industry that is unspoken about. And I think, you know, we really need to work hard as individuals to A, achieve it within ourselves, but also if there's a way to inspire other people, I, that's something I definitely want to explore. Yeah, I love it. Um, maybe one day you can incorporate it more into your collective. I would love to. Like, it's a really big part of what I'm doing is like, I mean, a lot of people hit me up everywhere. They're like, hey, do you have a good person here? I need someone here. Do you have a therapist? Do you have a body worker? Do you have, you know, and I, I, I've i now got a pretty good database everywhere. Wow, um, awesome. But, you know, something I do for friends naturally but it's something one day I'd love to kind of figure out how to do more of yeah I wonder if there's a way to work in you know like sound baths and healing and crystal work into an actual event that transitions into you know like what it is later on but can start out with something like that I mean I love sound baths they're so great their sound baths are so special like yeah Especially I really, really exactly no I I really want to get into that one day yeah well you would be an amazing sound healer I can tell from your energy oh thank you <laughs> would you attend my sound healing yes are you kidding me yes <laughs> I would happily first of all I love them I go to a meditation center out here in Los Angeles and I've oh, 
pre um pre covid i would go every day it's it's beautiful it's called the den and it's just you walk in and it's just like a big living room is is how it feels and there's like they do everything from breath work to tapping to sound baths to guided meditations to four hour sits like it's awesome so that's why well, when i saw that you were into that i was like yes well i'm gonna be in la for a couple months march and april and i would love to do that so maybe we can go together that would be amazing yes okay i now have something to look forward to this year i am so excited yay let's definitely do that because yeah. i think i think it's nice to also explore that with another artist yeah i think there's a there's a understanding i think that happens there and it's 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 really nice so thank you for that offer of sisterhood i appreciate that of course, of course we gotta support each other women in the industry amen girl amen Last but not least, um, what would you tell your five-year-old self? Don't be afraid. Do what you want to do. Like, just I, I, I think, I think as kids, we're we're born into such rigid systems that are telling us what to do constantly and what to learn about and who to be friends with and what to wear and what city to live in and la 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 by like by different things of like media or movies and all these things and i think if you could take away the aspect of like fear and wanting to fit in like mm. so much more you know and i i that, that's what i would tell my five-year-old self amen don't be afraid chloe kaye you guys please check her out on all of her social media and her spotify of course she is at chloe c-a-i-l-l-e-t and of course this is enter gray area at enter gray area and i am right in at official right in make sure you stay tuned into the rest of our spotlight series and we'll see you guys soon thank you so much chloe thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure and i look forward to meeting you in person yes you rock Thank you.